Madison, and thank you to everyone who participated in our service this evening, and thank you for coming back tonight. No, it's a busy day. As I announced this morning, tonight is going to bring to a conclusion the study on what does righteousness look like. I am going to be bringing the morning messages on Matthew to the evening uh, service starting next Sunday. Uh, we are in a new section in Matthew. Uh, it's the eschatological section uh, dealing with the Lord's return. Uh, some uh, complicated things there. I think some uh, handouts, uh, some PowerPoint, etc. will help uh, in uh, understanding that passage. And uh, in the morning we are going to move into a series on the one another passages in the New Testament. So that's what's going to be happening in the preaching schedule in the next uh, couple of months. But tonight, as we look at a close, I just want to come back to a very basic thought as we think about righteousness and that it is the true righteousness emanates from the heart. And so anytime we are going to talk about moral reform, it has to be internal as exposed to external. That is the main idea for tonight and really the main idea of this entire series that all of the outward trials and difficulties and corruption that we experience is a result of inward hearts. And so the only true way to deal with all the corruption is to deal with our hearts. So number one, sin is a result of my inward heart not my outward circumstances. Matthew fifteen nineteen. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. Uh, there is a progression that moves from thoughts to actions. Good thoughts, uh, passions, or desires. Those are really kind of synonymous in the scriptures, good thoughts, passions, or desires that come from the heart produce good actions. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. Evil thoughts, passions, or desires that come from the heart produce sinful actions. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. So resolve to change outward behaviors will not change our hearts. We can't work from the external to the internal. Rather, we must work from the internal to the external. You can't change your heart and thus the evil that's within us by simply trying to bring about outward uh, change or outward conformity. Luke 6.45 says, For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. Now we look at a particular portion of Scripture concerning David especially as he spoke concerning his, his tongue. David said he was going to change his ways. Psalm 39, verse 1. I said, I will watch my ways. And so what he was going to do was, in particular, David was going to change the way he spoke and keep my tongue from sin. So David said, I'm going to stop sinning with my tongue. So David decided to keep his mouth shut. He said, I will put a muzzle on my mouth while in the presence of the wicked. He's going to 
lock his mouth, as it were. He's going to just be quiet. David decided that if he did not say anything at all, he could not sin with his lips. So I remained utterly silent, not even saying anything good. Figured if he didn't say anything, he'd have to be all right, and he would finally master his tongue. However, David's sinful heart got the best of him. His sinful desire grew stronger. So I remained utterly silent, not even saying anything good, but my anguish increased. My heart grew hot within me. While I meditated, the fire burned. As he thought, as he ruminated, as he went over and over things in his mind, his heart burned. And the result was that David now spoke and spoke in a sinful manner. Then I spoke with my tongue. For out of the abundance of the heart, the tongue speaks. All the resolves in the world cannot change our hearts. Our hearts must be changed if our actions are going to be changed with any lasting success. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. The evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. Treasures are what the heart desires and seeks to obtain. Trying to control our speech without changing our hearts will not work. However, a change in our hearts will change our outward behaviors. God promises to give his people a new heart. And Ezekiel eleven nineteen says, I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put within them. The old heart that is filled and controlled by sinful desires will then be taken away. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. Acts of godly obedience will stem from that new heart. For when Gentiles, who do not have the law, by nature do what the law requires, they're a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show the work of the law is written on their hearts. So when we obey God's law, it shows that the law is written on our hearts as opposed to being external, as opposed to the law written on the stones, the Ten Commandments. Now, by God's grace, the laws are written on our hearts, and it brings about a change in behavior. We can't change our thoughts, passion, or desires on our own. Isaiah 55, 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Some have gone to great lengths to bring the body's sinful impulses under control. For example, monasticism. Monasticism was a huge part of the Middle Ages. And the effort of monasticism was to be so separate from the things of the world that finally the monks would conquer sin. And so they lived in monasteries. They lived very secluded lives. Talked to no one except those within the convent and many times not much talking to the people in the convent. They separated themselves from the world. That didn't work. And so then they decided that the problem was with their flesh. And they would beat their flesh. They would starve themselves. They would deprive themselves of any creature comforts. They would sleep on beds of stone, have a stone pillow. They would have low doorways that they would be forced to bow 
extensively in order to go through the doorway, to try to create a humble heart, and all these things. And Martin Luther himself, while as a monk studying the scriptures, came to the great passage that says that the just shall live by faith. And the light bulb went on for Martin Luther, and he said this is never going to solve the problem. And so he left the monasteries, and of course came the great um, Protestant Reformation, where Luther came to realize the heart had to be changed. Origen, you may have heard his name, he's a church father, but Origen was a heretic. And there were many uh, problems with what Origen thought and taught. And here's a quote from Brooks Thomas. Uh, Brooks Thomas is a, uh, was a Puritan. And he said this, Origen was a great admirer of allegories. By the strength of his mental abilities and wanton wit, he turned most of the scriptures into allegories. And by the just judgment of God upon himself, he foolishly understood and absurdly applied Matthew 19.12 literally. Some have made themselves chaste for the kingdom of God, and so he castrated himself. He said, if I'm going to get rid of these sinful desires, he castrated himself to try to conquer the sin in his life. And it did not work. Only God can change our thoughts. Unbelievers act in keeping with the thoughts of an unregenerate person. Ephesians 4.17 Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They follow their own instincts. They follow their own reason. And as a result they live a sinful life. Down to the bottom of the page, Ephesians 4.23, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds. In order to have a new heart, one must be converted. Ephesians 4.24, and put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So if we're going to deal with an unrighteous community, if we're going to deal with an unrighteous world, you can't legislate righteousness. You can't pass a law that is going to make people act in the way that they should. You can bring all kinds of punishments. But the only thing that can change a person's behavior in a lasting fashion is to change a heart. And the only thing that can change a heart is the gospel. A person needs to be born again. A person needs to have a transformation, an indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and lives will be changed. So I tell you that the only answer to this world's moral predicament is the good news of the gospel. And we just can't move away from the gospel. Now there are many good deeds that we can do. There are many services that we can render to our community. There is a lot of good that can be accomplished But ultimately, if we want to see a transformation of this world, it's going to have to be through the proclamation of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But what about us as believers? Okay, we have a new heart, but we still have sinful tendencies. We are still plagued with sinful desires. For behaviors to change, the sinful desire that came from our heart must change first. We are to deal with... How are we to deal with our remaining sinful desires? 
Well, here's an example. In James chapter 4, it asks the question, where do fights originate? And fights are just one example. It could be any sin. Where does sin originate? What causes quarrel and what causes fights among you? Answer, they stem from sinful desires. Verse 1, is not this that your passions are at war within you? These conflicts that exist within us, it says now is going to flow over in conflicts that we have with other people. They come from within. How sinful desires bring about sinful actions is now illustrated. You desire and do not have. So what do you do? You murder. You covet and you can't obtain. So what do you do? You fight and you quarrel. Because people can't gain satisfaction from within, they look for satisfaction from without. I think it's the Rolling Stones that uh, sang that song, I Can't Get No Satisfaction. There is this never-ending desire for things, for sexual experiences, for all kinds of issues that we've been looking at these last few months. They all stem from within. So what is the solution to the sinful desires that bring about sinful actions? Answer, prayer. 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 That is our ultimate resource in dealing with the sinful impulses of our hearts. We need to pray about it. It isn't just having the word. The word is a means unto the end, but it is not an end in and of itself. It isn't just because we know what the Bible says that we're going to do what the Bible says. It isn't just because we instruct people in the Word of God that they then are going to become obedient to the Word of God. There are very, very few people that I sit across a table from and talk about issues in their lives that don't know what the Bible says. They don't usually sit there and say, oh, wow, I never realized that was sin. Thank you for telling me. Uh, No, they, they know that it's sin. The problem is struggling against that sin. What can you do? Pray. Now notice what James 4, 2 says. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. Then it says this, you do not have because you do not ask. I'll say more about that in just a moment. Why are our prayers not more productive? Why are they not more successful? Why don't we see a greater change in our conduct, back one step, in our hearts? Why isn't there a greater transformation, a greater renewal? Why aren't our prayers more effectual? James 4.3 says this, You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly. Says you're not getting what you want from your prayers because you're praying incorrectly. So how are we praying incorrectly? James 4, 3. 
You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly. And then here's the statement, to spend it on your passions. The problem with our prayers is that we pray for God to provide for us what our sinful desires want. The tendency is, if we are coveting and we want a boat, we pray for the boat. We pray that God would fulfill our desires, rather than praying that God would change the desires. Rather than praying, God, help me with covetousness, instead we pray that he give us the boat. And we are taught in the health and wealth gospel that that's exactly what we're supposed to do. That God has promised to give us whatever we ask. And so come up with this shopping list of everything in the world that you can lust for, and God's going to grant it to you. James says, that's not going to work. God's not going to answer those prayers. What should we be asking for? When, when will our prayers be more successful? You do not have because you do not ask. Rather than pray for God to provide us all the things that we desire, we should be praying that God would change the sinful desires of our hearts. That God would create within us good desires. Now notice another very common passage of scripture, one that I think most of you know and probably many have memorized. We need to be taking our delight not in the things that our sinful hearts delight in, but we need to be taking our delight in God. Delight yourself in the Lord. When we delight in him, the desires will be good desires, and God will be pleased to fulfill them. And he will give you the desires of your heart. We need to be praying that God would give us hearts that desire him. His name is to be praised, his will to be done, his person to be trusted. Again, in the health and wealth gospel, Psalm 37.4 reads like this. Delight yourself in the Lord and whatever you want, God's going to give it to you. But if you notice, the desires in the second half of the verse come from delighting in the Lord. In the New Testament, it reads like this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. The idea is that if you really want and really desire a change in heart, God promises to give us that. Not the fruit of our sinful desires, but this new transformed heart. God promises to work in our midst, if that is what we truly long for. So we're to be placing our delight in him. That means we work at it. We pray about it. We contemplate. We meditate. We strive. Now let me say, as a disclaimer, I, as God changes our hearts, we need to guard our hearts. Now there's a difference here. Okay? This is not the way to obtain a pure heart, but once our hearts are in the right track, once we are desiring the right things, then we need to be on guard. We need to be protective. So Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, 
whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is any worthy of praise, think on these things. If we fail to think about these things and dwell on the evil things, then the work of transformation that God is going, doing in our life is eroded. Okay? It begins to wear away. But notice it is positive, it is not negative. It isn't saying stay away from all these things. It's saying do these positive things. Things that are true. Think about things that are honorable. Think about things that are just. Think about things that are pure. Think about things that are lovely. Obviously, if we allow our thoughts to be moving into the world of uh, evil, then we're not thinking about the good things. Right thoughts will produce right actions, Philippians 4, 9. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So we pray. And once God is doing a work in our hearts, we need to be careful that we don't sidetrack. We don't get away. And it can be good things. I had gotten into a pattern, a rather stringent pattern, of Bible reading lately and memorization. I was on a roll. I was doing really well until annual conference came. And I didn't have the hours in the day at annual conference, and it's tough since then to get back. I had it. I was doing well. Nothing evil about annual conference. It's just that It's a struggle. It's a struggle. And so these things we have to pray about. We have to, to work at. Conclusion. The cause of unrighteousness stems from within, not from without. I can't emphasize that enough. I just can't emphasize that enough because people blame what is out there as opposed to what is in here. Okay? Things like pornography and so on. Should we watch pornography? No. But that's not the problem. Let me ask you a question. Do you think a man that is blind struggles with lust? The answer to that ought to be yes. Yes. The problem is in here. And we will never gain victory over our sin until we deal with in here. And quit blaming what is out there. That's monasticism. They lived in little cells. Nothing on the walls, no outward influence, and Luther realized it still wasn't working. You can be as separate as you want to be, but the problem is you can't get away from yourself. And we are sinners. So we need God's deliverance. And that can only come through prayer. If we're going to be righteous as individuals, 
We need a righteous heart. If society is going to change in general, a greater number of people are going to need a righteous heart. It will not come through a change of laws or outward change. Not changing housing situations. Not ending unemployment. If you listen to the politicians, what is going to end crime? Just get everybody employed. And then people are going to stop using drugs. People are going to stop stealing. If you just get everybody employed. Or, you know, the ghetto situation. Back in the 60s and 70s. What is going to cause people to stop the burnings and all the things out? Well, provide people with housing that they can... Uh, be proud of, and then they're going to take care of these houses, and it's going to bring a, a change to society. Number three, there is good reason to end unemployment. There's good reason to be concerned about housing. There is good reason, and all I'm saying to you is not that we shouldn't be concerned about housing, and we shouldn't be concerned about employing people. What I'm saying to you tonight is, but that won't end sin. I uh, have this quote that I took off the internet about Bernie Madoff. You may have heard about him. He's now in prison. Back when he was still a thriving stockbroker, investment advisor, and financier, Bernie Madoff's net worth amounted to billions of dollars. Billions of dollars. I saw estimates of as high as $15 billion. He is now $17 billion in debt. He was charged with securities fraud and pleaded guilty for 11 11 federal felonies. Let me ask you a question. Why does a man who has $15 billion steal? Why does he defraud people? Why isn't he satisfied with $15 billion? You think he might say, it's not worth it. Why do I need $15 billion and $1? Ecclesiastes 5.10 says this, He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, and he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. Why are baseball players not satisfied with $75 million contracts. Why is it that people constantly want more? The problem is in here. We can't give people enough money that they don't want money anymore. You know, I, I, you, you get these solicitations on the, the phone. They kind of drive me nuts. And uh, so I got a phone call one night, and they're there, and they said, well, we have good news for you. Uh, You can have X amount of dollars, and uh, couldn't you use more money? And I said, oh, no, more money? I already have more money, and I wouldn't know what to do with. Please don't, please don't give me more money. And just my way of having fun. But $15 billion. 
It's not about externals. Somewhere along the line, we've got to learn that external things will not satisfy us. That's what the midlife crisis is all about. It's people that work so hard to achieve their dream. The American dream. What everyone wants, financial independence. This glorious lifestyle. And when they begin to obtain it, they realize that they still aren't happy. Still aren't content. And that's the crisis then. What do I do? All those things I was working for don't really matter. Number four, the only thing that's going to change our corrupt society is the gospel of Lord Jesus Christ. And the only thing that's going to change our hearts is a constant longing for God to be delivered from our own sinfulness. You cannot have a righteous heart without being converted, without being saved. And once we are born again, we are not to be occupied with nor be praying for the fulfillment of the sinful desires that plague us. Once converted, we need to be continually praying that God would give us hearts that desire the good things that come from him. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. We need to pray that God would change our hearts. We need to rely upon God, not the insights of behavioral psychology. It's huge in our culture. Behavioral psychologists teach us that our They wouldn't use sin. They would say our problems, our heartaches, our miseries are a result of learned behaviors. They are a product of our environment. It's the way we're brought up. It's the society that we live in. Again, it's out there. And so we need to change our behaviors. Okay? So they'll spend time, you know. Uh, what, they'll talk about triggers. What triggers your sin? Well, then don't drive down that road again. Take a different way to work. Do this, do that. Change all of your outward behaviors, and eventually you'll be delivered. There's nothing new under the sun about that. That's no great insight that has come to us in the last 30 years. It's been practiced down through the ages. Change your environment and you will change. But that is proven to be bankrupt all the way down through the ages. The only thing that is going to change our behaviors is our hearts. So that we do not long and we do not desire and we do not want to behave in a sinful manner. But rather, we abhor it. We hate it. And that's only going to come from a work of God. So it begins by acknowledging before God, you know, I really don't hate sin. There are things that I long for. There are things that I desire. I know they're wrong. God, help me. Help me to see Help me to understand. Help me to realize how my sin is affecting myself, how it's affecting others, and ultimately, oh God, how you are displeased with it. 
how it dishonors you. Change my heart. It comes down to prayer. Reading the scriptures, meditation, and memorization are good if they motivate us to run to God. But if they don't motivate us to run to God, it only makes us into Pharisees. People who know what the Word says, who like to pretend outwardly that they are what the Word tells us to be, but inwardly their hearts are far from God. May God deliver us not simply from our sinful deeds, but may God deliver us from our sinful hearts. Let's pray. Oh God, help us. Help us to want hearts that are pure. Oh Lord, give us a desire for yourself. Strive with us. Deliver us. Help us. Hear us when we call. Not grant us everything that our sinful hearts desire. But, O Lord, in those recesses of that heart that is being transformed by you, may those desires for holiness, for justice, for righteousness, O Lord, may they cry out unto you, and, O God, feed that flame. Give us strength. Give us purity of heart and mind. And, O God, as we walk with you, may you transform our outward being. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.